Welcome to the next episode of Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford, where we discuss all things college admissions. Joel and I have been having conversations about college admissions for years, and now we bring those to you. Our goal is to provide information to you, the listener, about the world of college admissions, the processes involved, and the current issues that are a part of the journey to post-secondary education. I'm Chris Reeves, independent college counselor. I'm here with Joel Ford, school counselor at Connor High School in Hebron, Kentucky. With us is Mike Piergowski, English teacher at Indian Hill High School in Cincinnati, Ohio, and podcast producer who is a perfect 4.0 in our hearts. I think that's a little foreshadowing to our topic today, Mr. Reeves. I think so. So let's just go on and and, and uh, put this out there. Um, I know you enjoy every episode. I know you enjoy the podcast, but I know there are some topics that you gravitate towards. Um, topics that are of high interest to you. And frankly, they get you a little fired up. Well, yeah, that's why we're so, here. So, you know, when we started this podcast back in 2019, uh, we started with kind of a, a list of topics that we wanted to talk about. And this is one that was on that list, right? In fact, this topic is so big, I'm just going to put it out there. <laughs> We've got on our hands a mega sode because it's going to take us some time to get through all this. So um, people listening... Get ready for a megasode. I, I bet they're just so excited right now. Like anyone listening, it's like, I can't wait to get I have to, to pause this. and collect myself. i like, oh my gosh, do I have enough time on my drive to like really sink into this? Right. Am I going to be late for work? Hey, Am take another be- couple of laps around the highway. Come on. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Uh, see, <laughs> All right. So <laughs> since it's the, the, the recording time now is like spring scheduling season in high schools. And I know you might listen to this at any point in the year, but but when you hit when you hit February, March time, you're working on next year and you're meeting with families and meeting with students on what classes do I take and and how do I schedule? I I would say the top conversation is this debate between rigorous courses and GPA. We've got some own unique things in our state that, that may or may not be involved in other states where there's like automatic scholarships linked to GPA. We'll get into that some. You've got some different different colleges have different scholarship tiers based on GPAs and all of that. So, so the question always comes up, do I take harder classes that could lower my GPA or easier classes that maintain a higher GPA? What do colleges think? At first glance, maybe this is a short episode. Seems like it. Maybe that's easy. Maybe maybe there's one answer, and that's the answer to this question. But but trust us, as you know, it's a megasode. We've been doing this too long, Chris. It's not a short answer. There's never a short answer no. in this in this world. So there, there's plenty all. of things to consider. But before we do any of that, I just I have a rant, and this is a good one because okay, one, maybe it's problematic in my world. But like I have a list of all the grievances against me of my own whole my whole life, like all the grievances are just sitting here. So this one's I've been holding this grievance since 2012. And now now I'm able to have my rant because in 2012, I was on a summer tour of colleges in North Carolina. And and one of the schools was um, a very well-known university by the name of Duke University. And we're on a college tour, 
I'll set the scene for you. 95 degrees, not like the 95, like I'm exaggerating, like, oh my gosh, it's 95. I'm talking it's 95 degrees and humid. And we go 25 college or high school counselors touring this, this school. We go in and they told us that um, the water fountains around the corner, that they didn't have bottled water in the budget. And that's fine. You know, I'm not, I'm not begging for bottled water, but it's just funny, you know, that Duke didn't have bottled water in their budget. You know, for the high school counselors, you might send wonderful students to them. And I was working at a school that was maybe 60, 60 to 70 percent free reduced lunch. And I'm really trying to teach students to take rigorous courses. All right. That's what I want to do. So I have back in 2012. I don't know if, if you remember the flip video cameras. So I had a flip video camera. And what I thought was if I'm in my office and I want to tell a student, look, challenge yourself, take these challenging classes. Um, they can listen to me or they could hear the director of admissions in North Carolina say that, and they could hear, you know, a director of admissions or an admissions counselor at Duke say that. So I was making these videos to really, really teach my students why they should take tougher classes, because that's, that was what we talked about a lot in our sessions. So, um, the, I won't say his name, but the guy looks at me and just stops talking. I got the little flip camera going and he just looks at me and says, don't record me. <laughs> like, I just was like, oh, okay. All right. And then, so I, I, I didn't. And maybe this isn't the biggest rant, but that's my grievance because in the session he says, here's the thing that maybe really bothered me the most. Not because I'm, I, I trust me. I pouted. The rest of the session, just sat there quiet and pouting in my head, angrily, just, you know, how, I'm, how I do. But someone asked the question, should my students take AP classes and, and maybe get Bs or take regular classes and get As? And, and the young man sitting up, oh, with his bottle of water, by the way, no joke, sitting up on, the, on this, like, desk thing. I can almost, like, I can, I can picture it because, you know, this grievance is here. He's like, ha, 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 here at Duke, we say you need to take AP classes and get A's. Like, ah, okay, fine. You're the greatest. <laughs> I know. He was a Jefferson Scholar from UVA. He told us 15 times in a 30-minute meeting that he was a Jefferson Scholar. So good for him. Awesome. Anyway, I've been pouting ever since. And 11 years later, I get to tell the story on the Get Schooled podcast. So um, bottled water, man, if you're out there, you've been exposed. That's right. You've that's been exposed. Right. So, all right. I feel so much better, relaxed, like, ah, now that that's over, Mr. Ford, what do you have for us to get things started? Honestly, you know what? I think because, because we've got to spend some time on this topic, I'm going to save what I had. until I think your rant is a perfect way for us to get started. Um, my topic is a topic that's not going to go away, so I'm going to save it for next time. Cool. Awesome. Do it. Um, and go right into our um, transition. Just a reminder that Get Schooled by Reason Ford is part of the NACAC Podcast Network, where you can find a variety of podcasts related to the college admissions process. For example, College Charge, a Shorecrest College Counseling Podcast. 
Um, they advertise journey with us on the exciting and daunting path to higher learning and the college admissions process. The College Counseling Office at Shorecrest Preparatory School of St. Petersburg, Florida serves as your guide to ensure a smooth and successful process. In this podcast series, you will hear from Dan Burkett, the Assistant Director of College Counseling, his Shorecrest colleagues, and other college admissions professionals as they address all aspects of the college application, selection, and Chris, you know, now it's my new favorite word, and matriculation process. Love that word. Indeed, that's going to show up more soon. It's going to show up soon. Joel, I'll be in St. Petersburg like in five days. I need you, to reach out. You could see the podcast recorded live. I could. I think I'm, I think I'm going to reach out and see if they're around. It's kismet. Uh, take a break from the beach, man, and, and do that. Okay, so with that, we'll be right back to discuss the great debate, GPA versus class rigor. Welcome back to Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford. Mr. Reeves, today is the day that we cover a topic that's been on your mind since day one. Do I take harder classes at the expense of a higher GPA, or do I take less rigorous courses in order to protect a higher GPA? Not so simple. Not so simple. Not so simple. Um, This is, I mean, you're right. We've talked about, we talk about this all the time. We talk about this in our daily work. If if a school counselor is listening, I I hope and think they would be listening intently right now because this is a huge question. The, The only other question that has surpassed this question in our offices are, are, is, is do I submit or not submit my ACTs now? But, right. but prior to that, and, and maybe equal to that almost, is, is this question every single year as you plan ahead for next year's courses. Uh, but let me, let, me, let me mention some things to consider, uh, maybe to set the stage for our conversation. So GPAs, grade point averages, printed right on transcripts. So a higher number is easily seen on the transcript. More rigorous course work takes a little more analysis because you've got to, you've got to read you know each line you've got to, you've got to look into the transcript. Mm-hmm. At the same time, the GPA the number is right there. Depending on the school, there could be minimum GPA requirements for admission, or or really like more often minimum GPA requirements for for scholarships. Right. In many cases, colleges who consider GPA are considering unweighted GPA, and and for most schools, the level of course does not impact an unweighted GPA. So we've got some terminology here. Most people listening to this probably understand it, but some terminology. Um, Multiple states, which I alluded to earlier, have rewards programs. In our state, the Kentucky Education Excellence Scholarship are based strictly on GPA, the higher the GPA, the more money you get to use for a college in Kentucky. And it may or may not reward rigor. For example, Keys rewards AP dual credit, but not honors level classes. Right. That sort of thing. So you get a little bump on your Keys GPA for some weighted issues, but not other weighted not issues. Yeah. Some other things to consider, you know, highly selective and holistic review colleges. They're going to look at the transcript and the courses taken, um, but usually, you know, it's hard to quantify the importance of a rigorous course load when deciding to admit or deny a student, at least 
not from what we can see on the high school side. I'm sure there is on the college side, but as far as the high school is concerned, we don't always see how that works. Um, students who take rigorous courses in high school are statistically more likely to be successful in college than those who are not. Um, however, you know, many students in high school seem to worry more about getting into the college than thinking about staying once they're there. Um, so it's all about getting in the door. Okay. And then finally, you know, we're in an education system that is still a model that views grades as the measure of knowledge of content and college preparedness. So there, you know, when we say it's not so simple, it really is not a simple question to answer at all. Um, there are a ton of different factors at play. Um, so Chris, I think we got it. You know, we always joke. We need people to, to talk to us that can school us and educate us. I think we need to get our guests involved in, in today's discussion before we go any further. We're going to do kind of a, a two separate interviews uh, with today's Megasode. Mike, hopefully you can make that sound really cool. Megasode. Megasode. Um, so, Chris, can you introduce our first guest to the audience? Yes, Joel. I'm excited to introduce the next guest. I'm honored. It's somebody who I really like, really respect, and just don't get to spend enough time with. And the time I do get to spend has been has always been awesome. Uh, so I, I welcome our first guest, Dr. Timothy Lee, Vice President for Enrollment Management at Lemoyne College in New York State. Prior to his current position, Tim has served as Director of Admissions for SUNY University at Albany, Hilbert College, Damon College's graduate program, was an associate director of admissions and Canadian recruitment coordinator for Damon College and was an assistant director of admissions and financial aid, as well as an assistant director of residence life at Manhattan College. Tim is also a past president of the New York State Association for College Admission Counseling, as well as affiliate president's council coordinator for NACAC, which is when I got to start spending time with Tim. He is a bachelor of science in management and finance from Manhattan College, an MBA in management also from Manhattan College, and a PhD in higher education administration from the State University of New York at Buffalo. Tim, welcome. Hey guys, good to be here. Well, the first thing, I, I'm so excited you're here. Um, it's, it's awesome you could spend some time doing this on a, on a Sunday morning. Before, before soccer matches and all the things you might have to do the rest of the day. Uh, but before we even get into this topic, would you just tell us and the audience a little more about Lemoyne? Yeah, thanks, guys. Um, yeah, so Lemoyne College is one of the 27 Jesuit colleges uh, in the U.S. Uh, it's actually the youngest Jesuit college. Uh, we just celebrated our 75th uh, anniversary. So um, what's interesting is we still have graduates of our first graduating class are still alive. So uh, put that in perspective. Wow. Um, you know, we have about uh, 2,600 undergraduates, about 900 graduate students, um, uh, you know, big programs in um, obviously liberal arts, uh, business, um, health sciences, pre-professional, um, division two athletics, big into performing arts. So just a great community um, in upstate New York and Syracuse. And, uh, you know, again, part of the uh, Jesuit network. So, um, you know, Possibilities are endless. 
Thanks so much. I, you know, it sounds like a college visit in the works for me. I think so. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll have to we'll have to share with you dinosaur barbecue up here. What? All right. I know this is not even part of the podcast, but I'm just going to say this summer when I'm headed to New Hampshire and we drive yeah. across 90. Pop in. We need, we, we need to need to find the time and pop in and, you know, like take our take our like lunch time or snack time or something there and just pop snack, in. Pop in snack time for dinosaur barbecue. Yeah, yes. that sounds like a good yeah. snack to me. Awesome. Joel, you're you're, you're good at all the, the thinking and questioning stuff. Do you want to? <laughs> Do you want to dig in? Sure. Well, we're going to start with the, the most basic question. Um, so every year, uh, NACAC publishes their state of college admissions report, and it always lists significant factors in admissions. And right at the top, GPA and strength of schedule. So, so we want to know just from the outset, knowing that there's no simple answer, which is it? Yeah, there's no simple answer. Um, you know, it's right, right? The first thing you see is a GPA, right? That's the thing that's front and center. And, and that's kind of where you begin your evaluation. Um, but, you know, you can have two students at the same school with the same GPA that tell very different stories, right? And um, whether you're applying into just general admission, whether you're applying into a particular program that may have uh, different standards, um, you know, it's, it's, it's different. Right. So I think it's, it's, um, it's looking at the student where they are in their school set and how they perform there. And yeah, you want students to challenge themselves, right? Cause you're right. Students who challenge themselves typically do adapt to the college landscape better or quicker. Um, but, but there's a lot of different stories that are thrown in there. And, and quite frankly, even like these past few years, you're, you're dealing with COVID on a transcript, which is something even completely different. So, um, I think GPA is certainly that first indicator that, that draws us in. Um, but then we start peeling back layers of the onion and, and, uh, you know, what, what constitutes that GPA? And, um, so, so how do you make, so, so when you, you receive a GPA and you're, you're in your offices, look, what, what's your process? What do you, what do you, what's the first thing? What are the first things you do? The first few steps? Well, we, we look at, you know, what's what's the profile of the students and then and then we start peeling it apart with the most recent stuff first. Right. So so how are they doing? You know, if, it, if you get a transcript in September, October, let's look at their junior year. Let's let's look at the, the course selections. Let's see how they performed um, and looking at it backwards with the most emphasis on, on what was done most recently. Um, you know, what courses are available at that school? Right. And, and I think for a lot of us who manage territories, you're familiar with the schools and, and you know, you know, are there, you know, 15 AP courses or are there honors courses or are there, you know, honors programs within the high schools? Um, so obviously it's our job to learn more about the high school so, so we can actually put the student in the context with everybody else who's, who's applying from that high school and knowing what's available. Um, but really looking at things backwards and, and seeing have there been improvements, have, have there been consistencies, did the student challenge themselves, did they challenge themselves earlier on in their curriculum and then let's say drop out of an honors course, for instance, and then just take the traditional college prep course or, or in New York, right? The, the regents program, right? The, the, the bare essentials in order to graduate from high oh, school. Okay. Okay. So, so um, yeah, a lot, a lot of different evaluations I think take place. Do you recalculate a GPA? We, we don't, but what we do is um, so we have an algorithm on the back end of our system that says, okay, 
based on the high school, based on the GPA, they get this, they should qualify for this scholarship. Right. Okay. Um, but we have the, we have the ability to raise that scholarship or lower that scholarship based on different things like rigor or, you know, is the GPA inflated because of their core classes are low and, and their electives are high. Right. So, um, even, even on the surface, when you're looking at right two students with the same GPA, they can tell two very different stories. So for, for a student who's coming into high school, because Chris, I don't know about you, but this seems to be where I get the question more. Okay. You know, than than yeah. a senior, obviously they've, they've pretty much set their path at that point. So for a younger student who doesn't know yet where they're going to college, with the understanding that some colleges are a holistic review process and some are, here's the cut score, this is what it takes to get in, or this is what it takes to get an automatic scholarship. What would you, what would you recommend to those students starting off? Well, I, I, think it's, I think it's being honest with yourself and knowing what subjects you're strong in versus not strong in, right? And, and if there's the ability to take a few courses that may be more challenging, uh, you know, enrichment, whatever, right? And, and, you know, some students experience that at the middle school level that they're put in a different track, right? So some students are taking high school math in eighth grade or seventh grade, right? So they're going to be on a different track. Um, I, I, think, I think it's good to challenge themselves, right? I, I don't think they want to necessarily uh, overdo that. Um, you know, you can always add honors or add AP or add your higher level courses as you go on through high school. But ultimately, you know, what's the point of taking an AP course or an honors course if you're going to get a C in it? Right. So um, I think it's important for students to try to challenge themselves, but challenge themselves within where they feel they're going to be comfortable and not necessarily stressed by the additional work that may be coming with taking an advanced course. I can see that at some of the some of the places I work, I could see I've seen where mental health has been so much more important lately that literally in the whole school the the ap numbers have actually gone down some not not score wise but we're like i'm taking three this year instead of five or i'm taking two ap classes instead of instead of four so the scores haven't gone down they've, they've been really really good but maybe taking ap's in the classes that interest you more or you have more more talent in than than just taking every single AP. I've definitely, I've definitely seen that. You made an interesting point with the C, you know, is that, is that, is that the, is that the line? I mean, it's, I mean, I, maybe, maybe in some ways it kind of is, you know, do we say, Hey, is, is, is a C, is a C the point where you don't, you don't do, you don't do the extra tough class if you're going to end up with a C in it. Yeah. And, and if I'm if I'm reviewing a transcript and I see a scene in AP course, I, I start thinking to myself, what did they get out of that? Right. I mean, they, they might have been in a class with, you know, other students who who may be pushing themselves. And, you know, it can mean a lot of different things. It can mean that, you know, there was one subject you didn't grasp and you failed that quiz, which which dropped your, your GPA. But would you have learned more being in a in the next tier down course, getting getting a, a B plus or an A? Right. Right. Maybe, like, I mean, what's it, the takeaway? It could, it could, 
and once you get to know a school, maybe maybe there's times where like you've seen more AP chemistry C's out of like a particular like out of a, a particular high school or something like that, or or possibly something explained on a school profile, right? Um, where maybe some local knowledge would would excuse that occasionally, but no, I mean that's 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 definitely good to know. Um, How do you balance opportunity as far as as the opportunity for rigorous coursework between a school who has that opportunity? and a school that doesn't? Yeah, and that's a good question. You know, I, I think we're not comparing students between two different schools, like when we're reviewing applications, right? I, 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 you know, I've been doing this for like 23 years, right? And, and you always get that question, if you have one seat available and there's two students, and, and for a majority of the schools, that, that's just, that's not the situation, right? Um, maybe for the highly selective schools, right? Yes, there's 10 students for one seat. Um, I think we have to look at schools, we have to look at students within the landscape of the schools that they're attending. And, you know, there are some well-resourced schools out there. There's some under-resourced schools. Um, and it's ultimately, I, I can't hold it against student X because they went to, let's say, a, um, a, a public school in Syracuse city school district that maybe doesn't have as rigorous of a curriculum than the private Catholic school down the street from us that has, you know, as many AP courses as, as they can offer. Right. So it's the performance of the student within the, the context of the classes that they have access to. So are we admitting students who don't have AP or, or honors because their schools are just don't have those resources? Sure. Absolutely. And they, they come to Lemoyne and, and they do great. And some of them go to med school. Right. Um, so it's really just looking at that student within what they have offered. Right. It's 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 similar like when a parent calls and, and says, um, you know, my, my, my son or daughter goes to uh, the private school and it's rigorous. So they only had a B average, but if they went to the public school down the road, they have an A. And I'm like, well, that, that's just pretend, right? right. We, yeah. we, we can't, we can't put your son or daughter in the public school four years ago. You chose a certain curriculum for them. And, um, you know, maybe if they went to the public school, they would have had a higher GPA and maybe would have qualified for a different scholarship. But, uh, you know, we can only evaluate you based on where you were and, and what was offered there. Right now that would be different than Joel, right? Two students from the same high school who chose a, a one chose a more rigorous path and, and has a, has a, uh, a good GPA versus one who chose, you know, the, the standard curriculum. Right. I think that would be a different evaluation. It just it, it is a, is a, it's a point in the middle of this conversation. Can we, could we agree that, the GPA matters that, you know, it's not just, it, it's like, you need a good, you need a good GPA. Um, I'm not talking like, Oh, the difference in a 3.94 and a 3.98. Like that's, that's, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like, there's a certain point where like you do need to protect maybe isn't the best word, but I'll just put it that way. Cause that's how, that's how families talk about it. Um, you do need to protect your GPA a little bit. Yeah, I, 100%. I mean, it's almost it's almost like a batting average, right, in, in, in baseball, right? You can either hit the ball or you can't. Um, there's going to be a, a time where, you know, you're working your way up the minors, and, and you know, if you, if you can't hit above 200, you, you're not going to be a professional baseball player. Um, 
so yeah, I think the GPA is 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 where everything really starts. You know, we can get into testing and, and all that stuff and who loves it and who doesn't. But that that GPA just kind of um, that's that's your that's your grade. That's what kind of starts the conversation. You know, um, it's it's what makes a a you know a ten second evaluation sometimes for for an applicant or or a two hour review right with a committee and and faculty and, and different things like that but Absolutely. it's a starting point and um it's it's the one thing that balances an entire story over four years versus you know a test for instance how do you all how do you all handle weighted versus unweighted gpas well i think um we we try to Again, I think it's knowing the school, right? Because there are some districts yeah. in New York where uh, you look at a GPA and, it, you know, again, you look at a GPA on a, on a, uh, on a list or, or when you pull up a profile and it's a 92 and you think to yourself, oh, okay, this, this, this sounds like a pretty decent applicant, right? A minus average. Um, and then you look on the transcript, they don't have anything above a 70. And it's like, my, my goodness. <laughs> um, so, so. I think I think for the most part, you know, unless it's it's a it's a huge weighted difference, right? I mean, is there really a difference between a ninety-five and a ninety-three, right? No, not for us, right. not for our scholarships. Um, I think we what we do is it, we we look, and I don't want to say recalculate. We 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 reevaluate a transcript when we notice that the weighted is so much differently. Um, you know, the number is so different than what the unweighted average would be. Right, um, like a four point oh to a five point six or something yeah, like straight yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Does a kid have straight A's or or not? Right. Um, gotcha. And you can eyeball that. Like you can just look at that. You can see that. Yeah. Without. Yeah, and what's what's interesting is right. I mean, I, I handle a few high schools, but but I also I'm the one who's making the decisions for the students who the rest of the team doesn't want to make decisions on, like those borderline admits. Right? <laughs> okay, so that falls to you. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting is even, even the, the most inexperienced first year counselor can pick up on, on those signals of, you know, um, weak, weak curriculum or, um, struggles with math or didn't take senior year math. Right. So, so it's things like that, that even someone who's just going through their first cycle picks up on rather quickly. Okay. Um, yeah. So. I want to let Mike jump in because he had a question um, in our chat that I think um, is a good one. Yeah. So um, you mentioned before how, you know, um, for for some students, there's it's a uh, like a 10 second review process. And then for others, it can go two hours, go in front of a committee. I was just wondering what what factors would sort of trigger that like two hour, let's do this real sort of deep dive into this yeah. application. I, I think it's two things. I think it's for, um, again, borderline students, right? Who, if I think if you had a committee of, of 10 people in a room, five would say deny, five would say admit, and everyone would have their own reason why. So then it's, all right, what additional information can we get? Do we call in the school counselor? Um, do, you know, have they have they been to campus when they came to campus? How have they interacted with folks? Have they not come to anything? So I think that's where the deeper dive or, or kind of the the debates are are are, are had, right? Um, and usually the person you know you have the person who manages that high school, right? They they want their numbers to to look good, right? So they want maybe to admit the student um, or right the opposite. They're like this kid who's borderline is sitting next to the ten second admit. 
right? And we want the 10 second admit. And they realize that the, the, the kid next to them in uh, senior year English also got into Lemoyne. Well, does that ruin our credibility? So, so it's balancing out all those different things. Um, and then the second one is, is for certain programs where we have just a deeper admit uh, standards, right? Nursing, um, physician assistants, our direct entry programs, some of our business programs, um, you know, you, 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 for the most part, you're applying into Lemoyne or you're applying into a college, but some of the programs you have to apply into separately. And, and there's a, there's a much deeper dive into that. Right. Um, and, and the rigor question, right. If, if you're coming to Lemoyne to study English and your sciences weren't your strongest suit, you know, we're, we're, we're probably still going to admit you if your overall profile is, is solid, but if you're going to go into nursing, we're going to take a much deeper dive into your sciences. And that may be, you know, not just looking at your transcript, but uh, calling the school counselor and, and or, or making sure we have a recommendation from a science teacher, right? Not just from the school counselor or, or from your coach. So, um, you know, those those are the those are the ones that I think we spend a lot of time on. And, and really, I think sometimes agonizing over this, right? Because um, once you deny someone, they're gone. You know, um, you can always waitlist somebody. You can always try to get more information. Um, so different evaluations uh, cause different times. I, I personally, as a counselor and parent, appreciate knowing that, that you, you, you spend that time and you're looking, you're looking at students that comprehensively. Yeah. It's much appreciated because I know you put a lot of time and a lot of work into, into doing that. Uh, I, know that's, I know that's not easy. I just thought of this while while everyone else was talking. You you know you were you made a comment, Tim, about a ninety five versus a ninety three. You know, what do you how do you balance a school who sends you a transcript that has number grades on it versus a school that simply sends you letter grades? So you don't really know what the A was. Yeah, we um, on our back end we we put in um, like numbers that represent that grade, right? So a B plus could be an 88, for instance, right? Um, or, or, you know, if it's a B, it's an 85. If it's an A, it's a 95. So it doesn't, you know, it may not be 100% accurate, but I think it gets us in that, in that, that ballpark or that zone. So um, would it, would it be fair to say that the school needs to report the number grade if they can? Well, I think if, um, I think what happens is just just like with a student who doesn't talk about maybe something they struggled with in, in high school, right? Without context, you're leaving it up to the college to make that evaluation uh, through through my eyes, right? So um, would a number there help us? It, it'd probably make it a little more accurate and would probably it could be a better representation of that student. If, if it's just the letter grades, I'm interpreting it what I think a letter grade is going to be numerically, and it leaves the interpretation up to me. So that's what I think the, the big difference is. Um, and then we have some schools, right? We have some some charter schools in New York that give oral reports as as the grades. <laughs> that 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 you know, no it numbers, is. no 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 letters. It's uh, you know, Chris really really participated in, in uh, 11th grade English. He, he wrote a paper on Macbeth and it was great. How are you supposed to evaluate that, right? That, that interpretation, that's, that's a whole other level. I was an English teacher. I'd give that, that sounds to me like an 87. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? So are those, are those the most challenging to evaluate? Oh, for sure, right? Because um, 
you know, it's, it's, you can't compare, it's tough to compare students within, within the cohort from that high school that are applying. Right. Um, and again, it's up to interpretation and then you get into, okay, how do we award a scholarship? Right. Because our scholarship is based on a, on a GPA and, and, you know, a few other standards. But um, when there's when there's no numbers or, or a letter grade to tie back to a number to tie to a scholarship, uh, yeah, the, the ones that give the, the reports as to, you know, the evaluation are, are much tougher. Um, we don't get a lot of transcripts like that, but but when they come in, that that's that, that throws everybody. When they, when they come in, you just can't wait to dig in. Yeah, I'm like, I, 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 I cancel all my afternoon appointments and I said, I'm, I'm just going to sit here and evaluate this. Uh, this this oral report on uh, student X and I and I also believe that you know I know you've got a lot of hardworking people in your office but that sounds like one that would also land on your desk. It, it typically does, <laughs> right? <laughs> so here's how I I know Lemoyne is one one college out of out of out of a few thousand, but the way it sounds like you send you at your school the GPA is going to put you like you picture a ladder so the GPA is going to put you on a rung that you know, is like, that's your scholarship, like range and then strength of schedule and curriculum and school and all those other, and all the other factors could move you up a little bit off that ladder and, or potentially move you down a little bit on that mm -hmm. ladder. But the GPA still is the, is the mark that kind of starts that, starts that, that, yeah. that scholarship. Yep. Yeah. I would agree. And I, I would agree with that at, at most spots, right. My, my, um, my previous institution, okay. um, you know, SUNY has a giant grid, right, of, of where you fall in. And then the school that you're working at can interpret it. For, okay, like um, how many tier one students did you have? How many tier two students did you have? Right. So, so it's a sliding scale. Um, but but it's it, the starting point is, is the GPA, right? That, that kind of opens up the conversation to, um, you know, are we even going to consider this applicant? Right. right. Or, or is this person even uh, eligible for the next round of interviews for, you know, our physician assistant program or, or our nursing program. We, we deal with a lot of locally, a lot of our grids have no room for movement or interpretation. It's just like, this is what it is. And that's where we get into this discussion of lot, a lot because in, I know you've got to go soon, but the, when the grid is really strict, it takes a lot of advising because it, they really, they really could improve their scholarship by protecting GPA and taking the easiest classes, period. But our argument in our offices has always been, do you want one year's worth of scholarship or do you want four years of scholarship? Because when you get to college, you've got to maintain good grades. Mm -hmm. You have to be prepared. You have to, you, if you haven't gone through the rigor of some of these tougher classes, maybe a little bit lower scholarship tier over over a four year span and more college prep would be would be the best choice. But we still have to have that discussion a lot in, yeah. our, in, in our situations. And, you know, the other tough thing is right. And, and this came up in one of the questions before. Right. When, when you're in eighth grade or in ninth grade, you just don't know what you're going to be interested in when it times when it comes time to applying for colleges. Right. right. I mean, there are some schools. Right. Um, if, if you don't load up on every AP course and you don't perform the best in that. Right. You're, you're just not going to be considered. Right. Um, but I also think those are the kind of outliers, right? The highly selective, right? Most, most students aren't going to the, the highly selective colleges, right? So I think it's, you know, ultimately we have to answer that, ask, we ask ourselves the question, do we think the student can handle the curriculum at Lemoyne, for instance, right? And um, if we think the answer is yes, then, then we're, we're likely going to admit them. And if we think that they're going to struggle, then we're, we're likely not going to admit them. 
um, and, and, you know, the GPA is that starting point, the, the courses that they've taken and, and how they've challenged themselves and how they performed in that um, is often how we arrive at that answer. Thanks. Thanks so much. That, that's a really good segue, honestly, to, to our next guest. So we'll get to that in a moment. But before, uh, thanks. Thanks so much. I, you know, giving up Sunday morning, it's probably good family time for you. Um, so we really appreciate you coming on with us today. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Great to see you. All right. Good to see you too. Enjoy, enjoy your afternoon. Uh, I'll, we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. All right. And with that, we'll take a break and we'll be right back with our second guest. Welcome back to Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford. Chris, that was a really good discussion that we had with Tim, uh, but we are not done with this topic. You can't have one interview and it be a mega-sode, so <laughs> we've got to have another interview. The discussion, you know, GPA or, or class rigor is so good. Let's get another perspective from a, another guest. So, Chris, uh, why don't you do the honors? Sure, Joel. Our second guest is Lee Coffin, Vice Provost and Dean of Admissions and Financial Aid, Dartmouth College. Prior to his role at Dartmouth, Lee was the Dean of Undergraduate Admission at Tufts University, an adjunct lecturer at Harvard's Graduate School of Education, was the Dean of Admissions and Financial Aid at the Milton Academy in Massachusetts, Dean of Admissions at Connecticut College, and several other roles prior at Connecticut College, Harvard College, Trinity College, and Trinity College, Hartford. He has a Master's of Education degree in Administration, Planning, and Social Policy from the Harvard Graduate School of Education, and he has a Bachelor of Arts degree with Honors in History from Trinity College, Hartford. Lee, thanks Hello. for being with us on the podcast. Thanks for inviting me. Nice to be with you both. And uh, always makes me smile when I hear my resume read out loud. <laughs> it's like, it's like, oh yeah, I've been doing this a long time. I've been around. I've been around. Yeah, that's right. I'm well, we're happy. We're happy down. you're here. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, you know, we always joke that that you know you've done all these things, but now now you can add the Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford podcast <laughs> to your LinkedIn profile. I'm, I'm sure that'll go right that. to the top. Yeah, I'm happy to do that. So, you know, we talked at the beginning of this episode, this question of what's more important, GPA or strength of schedule, it, it's in our offices Daily. all the time, every year, and and just the, the conversation, the parents, parents want to know an exact answer, right? So let's start there. Is there an exact answer? to this question of GPA or strength of schedule? There is not an exact answer. And it, it, the answer is the, is the one that lots of admission people give. It depends. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> um, but I, I get the same question. And I, at an open house yesterday, a dad asked me, like, what's the perfect formula to get in? And he was pointing towards the same question. I said, if I had that answer, I would have patented it. And I would be on my way to retirement. There is not, um, there's not a perfect equation, a perfect formula. Those two key pieces that you're uh, um, 
considering are equally important and complement each other. We do get that question a lot, even even to the point of, and, and I know you've already answered this, but but to the point of very specifically ask, like, you know, I'm taking three AP classes next year, but if I'm applying to Dartmouth, should I take four? And it's like, well, sure. You know, it's, 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 it's a tough one. Yeah. Well, and it, sure. If that fourth course is of interest to you, as you move through your senior year, if you can do the work successfully in that advanced curriculum and, you know, I think the loading up on APs or honors or, or you know, whatever label a high school might use to describe rigor is only as um, good as the performance in that course. So lots of rigor without the ability to thrive in it is not going to help. And lots of A's where more rigor is available is also not as meaningful in the environment where I work. Lee, can you tell when somebody's just pumping the schedule? Is it like when you're reviewing an application, what does it, what does that look like compared yeah. to a more authentic schedule? Yeah. Well, when we're reading the a file, the first thing we do is document the transcript. So, you know, I open the, the, and I usually read by school groups. So I'm trying to do everybody from the same high school at the same time okay. to have a comparative lens on the fundamental question what curriculum does, does this high school offer? Sure. And, and to what degree is there advanced coursework in the curriculum or in every subject in the curriculum? And, you know, there's the whole rainbow of places where um, lots of AP advanced IB kind of coursework, particularly in 11th and 12th grade. There are some schools where you'll look at the profile and there'll be two, three, maybe four advanced courses to, in total. And, so when I look at the transcript, I have to start with the school profile to understand where am I, what's available, and does the student's curriculum sync up with her academic interests and what we're starting to imagine might be her course of study through this curriculum. Um, uh, so that's the first thing we do. And to your question, can I tell when it's juiced? I mean, there, there are some students who just take everything available because they think that's what's expected. And, you know, in their peer group in that high school, that's often not uncommon to see a lot of the high achieving students pursuing, you know, a full load and a full load sure. in 11th yeah. and 12th yeah. might be like four or five advanced courses at a time. Um, Do, are you comparing it to even this is my intended major. And does sometimes some of the information you might need to know show up in an, in an essay. And then in that regard, you're thinking, okay, they wrote this, they say they want to do this, but here's the curriculum. Yeah. I mean, we're looking at the transcript and we're looking at a student's imagined major because we don't require that at the point of admission. But right. you know, if you're applying and you say, I'm a creative writer, I'm thinking about history or an art history. So, you know, you're very clearly a humanities oriented person. Um, if the curriculum leans in that direction, you know, you're taking AP US history or AP literature or maybe advanced French, that makes sense. If you're not in AP BC calculus, that also makes sense. And if you are in AP BC, 
that's a stretch. You're moving beyond what you're telling us is your natural habitat in, in terms of course of study. And those are the kind of things we document, not with the right, wrong answer, but to say, how do we understand your intellectual curiosity and your engagement and your achievement in the context of place? Like, where are you? Where do you think you're going? And where the curriculum and the academic interest map out is, you know, for STEM-oriented students, um, particularly in the engineering space, it's important to have had calculus uh, when it's available in your high school. And if there is advanced coursework in mathematics and you did not take it, that's a signal on our end about preparation or about motivation um, so those things, you know, I'm giving you answers from a very selective part of the rainbow Absolutely. where we've Absolutely. got a lot of high achieving students from around the world seeking admission. And this is one of the areas in which we have to make some distinctions among highly qualified candidates. It's, you know, I, I realize that nobody, nobody out there, very few people out there are throwing a pity party for Dartmouth or the other <laughs> schools in your group, no, but, but right. I, but I will say. It's not easy to get, and I don't know what your applications are at. I could jump in Comma Data Set now, thirty thousand, maybe higher, something like that. And then, yeah. yeah, so that's that, that's not easy to do because I'm sure you want to accept more people than right. you can. Right, right. Joel. And the goal is to not just accept them, but to to the degree possible guarantee their ability to thrive right. in the curriculum we offer the way it's delivered and its pace. So like just using Dartmouth as, as an example, I represent a college with a quarter system, now the semester system, okay. where students take three courses per quarter for 10 weeks. So that's a fast, deep way of moving through your undergraduate program. And not every high achieving student is going to be well-equipped for that kind of speed and depth. And um, so one of the ways rigor in high school helps us think about that is, you know, how, how much has this student been able to challenge herself in high school and thrive in that program? And is that a, a clue about how she will perform when she gets here? So we've... We've got schools in in our state that, um, in terms of scholarships, um, it, they're pretty. A lot of our state schools are pretty cut and dry. You have this GPA, we're going to give you this amount of money. Mm-hmm. How how would you suggest advising a student that's that comes to you and says, "Well, all I need is a three six, and I get this kind of money." So why, why take those AP courses if, if all I need is the number, right? Um, if they're applying to Dartmouth or a place like it, you mean? Or just more, more just, generally? So more like for the, our, our, our kid, like in our state, you know, just, yep. as a, just as a college admissions professional, maybe removed yep. from Dartmouth. Yeah. So, you know, to me, the, the more pedagogical answer would be you take the course because it interests you and it broadens your way of understanding your own interests, helping connect the dots across the curriculum. You like to challenge yourself. And I think especially when you 
peek outside of the lane where you normally do your best work. You know, you're a science kid saying, maybe I'll take this European history course and see what I learn. Or you're, you know, the social studies nerd like I was, and you think, maybe biology is something I need to explore because it makes me more intellectually more well-rounded. I think that's the value added um, in addition to the credit you might get when you matriculate in college or the scholarship that might be attached to it. I think for selective institutions um, or for honors programs um, more broadly, you know, we're looking for the high achieving student who's curious and sometimes curiosity maps to course selection and you you start to see the way someone's academic interest and curiosity kind of play together and i try and imagine okay what would you be like in my student body um with those characteristics we do we do we do preach that, you know, on our side. <laughs> we, yeah, yeah. And the 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 other the other thing I guess we preach is is you're trying to succeed in college, not just get in or not yeah. just get that scholarship. So if you if you meet some minimum requirements, you get this GPA standard that a, that a state university has. That doesn't mean you're going to one keep your scholarship or do well when you get there. So. Yeah. You know, yeah, but what you're preaching is more. There's romance more than pragmatism. You know, you're you're giving them an answer that's a bit more abstract around being well-rounded intellect, as opposed to I've got to go from entry to graduation with the least amount of money and the maximum number of credits so I can move into my career, and that's valid. Sure. Um, um, it you know to me it's. It's, it's not the way I like to think about it because I think that's more transactional than thinking about the undergraduate experience as a learning opportunity. You mentioned this a little, a little bit earlier, but, and I, so I know analyzing the school profile and, and that sort of thing is kind of one of your first steps, but how can, talk about the, the thought process in, comparing GPAs from different schools or yeah. different states or different systems. How do you, how do you, how do you compare GPAs? How do you compare strength of schedule? Um, just kind of what, what is that thought process? Yeah. Well, and, and it's even more macro than you sketched it out. Well, I would even say around the world because mm-hmm. a lot of colleges we're seeing applicants from a deep international pool and, you know, what's interesting to me as we move through the different geographic areas is this idea that this this group of people will come together on a campus and share a classroom. And so one of the things we're doing as we read is asking the question, when this group of people come together in September of their first year of college, are they comparably prepared? And can the professor walk into whatever classroom and not have to guess what are the levels of preparation? And so in some way, we're trying to standardize it. And what's hard is um, to your question, you know, I look at my pool last year, you mentioned we had 20, 20, 29,000 applicants. They came from thousands of different high schools with lots of different grading skills and curricula. And so by looking at rigor as it's offered in that place, um, understanding what the grading patterns are in that place, you know, there's some there's some high schools um, where A's are very rare, 
And then there are many high schools where everybody gets an A. Um, and so you have to move place to place with that awareness that an A doesn't mean the same thing in every high school. Um, some places a C, like you go to, in the Canadian system, you know, the, the numerical grades on a scale of 100, you go down into the low 80s, those are high marks uh, versus in the US, that's a B minus. And we don't give those. You don't give B minuses. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. It's very difficult. Yeah. yeah. You run into you know, problems, you, you start giving out B minuses, you know. Yeah. But yeah. Well, B is for bingo. And so you <laughs> have to you have to be, you know, so we're not really comparing the GPA. I think that's one of the misperceptions is that, you know, a lot of students will say, Well, what's your average GPA? Expecting a number like the average SAT or ACT. I've never worked in a college where that's calculated. So, you know, I might say from this high school, the typical GPA range is X to Y, depending right, on your right. scale. But I've never um, been able to do a pool-wide GPA mean. Some places do. There are some colleges that will take the transcript and convert whatever scale it uses into a 4.0. Um we don't do that. I've never been part of a system that does that. Um, but the goal is really like school by school. How do you measure achievement and excellence and preparation coming out of that space? And to a degree, you, you have to ask, you know, what's the quality measure as you move across different kinds of high schools? But what we avoid is saying high school A is stronger than high school B or equal to high school C. Like we're not making those kind of assessments school against school, um, but but hoping to find students within each of these schools who have a similar degree of preparation um, so that when they come together, they're equal. No, it's a complex. It's hard. It's, it's complicated and it's slow. Well, yeah. right. And you're, it's not just that you're looking for. I mean, you're looking for, the entire diverse population you want your school to be and you want your freshman class to be. Right. Right. And, and getting an A in and of itself is not the end of the story and the most selective part of college admission. I mean, Oh, right. Yeah. 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 I'm curious if you, the answer might be no, I just have this possible theory, like since COVID, especially any, any trend in, like less intense schedules, fewer APs, students who are taking care of their mental health a little bit more than just bogging themselves down with five or six AP classes or no change at all? I have not noticed that change um, during or after COVID. I felt like transcripts in terms of course selection looked the same. What I did notice during the two deep pandemic cycles in particular mm -hmm. was a lot of people getting A's that were another way of saying pass. Oh yeah. So the high Survival. school saying, yeah, we went to an, you know, A is a pass is an A, a okay. B is a barely passed. So B is right, passed. Right. And then a C is like, I never saw C's. So that was the, the most okay. striking thing to me as I was looking at those, transcripts and so for students who are now juniors and seniors in high school you know the pandemic part of the transcripts really ninth and tenth grade or maybe eighth and ninth grade so it's starting to move outside of the admission window um, but I didn't notice a, um, any backing off of rigor 
Um, but, you know, to Chris, just to pick up on the question about well-being, you know, I, I think some of the stress students carry from high school into college is connected to this idea that I have to be an uber achiever right, all the time. Um, I have to take as many advanced courses as I can to be competitive in a pool like the one I have. And that's not true. Uh, you know, we, we do hope students take courses that are appropriate to their um, ability. And more is not always better um, as it relates to balance and, and accomplishment. But I don't, people don't believe me when I say it. I think that what I would say is that, um, let me ask you this. I believe there is room coming. So Lee Coffin, vice provost and dean of admissions and financial aid at Dartmouth College says there is room for authenticity in, in schedule choice, in their essays, and, and things will work out in that way. I love the quote you just put in my mouth. <laughs> that's true. So I that's would, a yes. It's a yes. I would say yes. That yes, that's true. Good, because that's what I, I mean, I know that's just what I want. That's what I want for my students. That's what I, just what Joel wants for his students, I'm sure. Uh, but sometimes it's hard when these, you know, the mystery of selective institutions just makes people bonkers. Yes, it does make people bonkers. It's the, you know, the way I have started talking about selectivity is to frame it around supply and demand. So kind of go to an economics 101 kind of example and say, I've got a set number of seats, in my case, 1,150 per class. Um, The demand is almost 29,000 people competing for those seats. And what I do as dean is I manage scarcity. Yeah. You know, I have to read a file with my team, make a subjective decision across a variety of metrics, and then one by one fill those seats with kind of the rainbow of people we hope to bring together on a campus like this one. And the what makes people bonkers, to use your, you know, <laughs> to use your word, is the idea that it's not always predictable. Oh, right. You know? And yeah. um, maybe rarely predictable, um, but it doesn't mean it's random. You know, and I, one of the things I, I quickly say is subjectivity does not mean randomness. It just means right. it's informed choice of which GPA and, and rigor are two big pieces. Two big pieces, but it's impossible in this episode, at least to say that one is necessarily more important than the other. I think that's what we'll I think with our two interviews and Joel and I talking, we feel like we kind of land on uh, kind of land on, on that, which maybe we could have predicted, but it's, it's really yeah, fun to I talk think about. It's true. I mean, you have to, you know, a 4.0 with rigor is impressive. A 4.0 with less rigor is still achievement. It's just not as sexy in some of the admission arenas a student might wander into. And a lower GPA, like, you know, student getting more Bs than As, but with a lot of rigor, is really showing some motivation. And that's impressive in a different way um, that may not get recognized kind of in an Ivy Band admission process, but in a lot of places that have a a bit more elasticity in how they can admit. Right. Because in some cases, achievement only gets the job done. But in a lot of cases, 
lack of rigor is a dead end mm-hmm. and and decent achievement with lots of rigor can still get you there that's right that's right you know we did not talk about um, unless you've got any for further on the topic oh, go Joel, ahead. <laughs> uh, but we you, you're you're a two-time podcaster you know you've done you've done the search yeah and now you have admissions beat so how's yeah. that going I love it um, both well the search was a, a pandemic invention told you Joel May yeah. 20 May 20 something 2020 I said oh he picked this up in the pandemic he did it <laughs> was you no know, we were you know trapped at home yeah. um, and my communications office said hey you know I think you'd be well suited to this format and I came to appreciate its reach as a way of counseling people when I could not go to the high school and they could not come to me yeah, on campus. It. And then it kept going. And I realized the podcast was reaching a remarkable number of students literally around the world. My best email ever was from a student in India who said, I just wanted to thank you for doing your podcast. I am at a high school without a counselor. Wow. My family didn't go to college. I dream of being able to come to the United States for my um, undergraduate degree. And this podcast and its lessons has been my roadmap. And that's a good email. Yeah. And that's a good email. Yeah. If I, if I don't help anybody else, this was worth it. Um, So I, I love doing the pod and being able to talk like, and being a guest on pods is, is a way of, of, um, helping more students who went to high schools like I did, where it was a huge counselor student ratio or student counselor ratio. And I was pretty much on my own as a public high school, first gen kid way back. And, you know, my work as an admission officer has always been informed by how do I get in the door to as many places as I can and help students find their path forward. And the podcast um, it became this really lovely way to do that because you know, it's That's free awesome. and everybody's got the phone in their hand and boom, I could talk to them without ever seeing them. It's yeah, we, we enjoy it. Joel and I yeah. enjoy it. We've been doing it for about three years and Plus you're also a pandemic origin for, yeah, four, mm-hmm. oh, four, sorry, four years. We started the day, the day this is for, for our longtime listeners, like all 10 of them. Uh, <laughs> no, we, we've got, we've got a good amount actually, but, uh, the day we released our first episode was the Varsity Blues. And oh. we didn't plan it. We didn't plan that. We, we released it, and later that day, Varsity Blues hit, or maybe oh. the next day, something yeah. like that. So episodes two and three were Varsity Blues. That wasn't the original plan. I don't even remember what episode two was supposed to be about. I don't either. But that got three. thrown out. Yeah. yeah, but it's the way these things go. I mean, the the new – like, I called my podcast Admissions Beat because the media – that covers the work we do continues to pop topics onto my radar. And then once they're on my radar, parents start asking me about them. And so it was a way to respond from the admission perspective in real time. Awesome. Um, well, give us a holler if you ever want any public school counselors love retired or otherwise <laughs> on there. That. To, to show up, we we enjoy the we enjoy just the cross promotion and just yeah. kind of hanging out with each other. Yeah, 
uh, it's a date. I will happily bring you into season four when we come back in September. We, we, I think we're still one long season, Joel. I don't think we had seasons. <laughs> you never stop, yeah. We just kept going. No, it's uh, like I'm like Netflix. I stop and then I start and I stop. See, that builds up the hype. Mm-hmm. I love it. Lee, we are, we're just totally appreciative of your time. Um, you're always welcome back. Thanks. And with that, take a quick break with our lenses for the great debate. Welcome back to Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford. Man, what a megasode. Joel, always a good conversation. This one was thought-provoking, to say to say the least. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, now, it is time for our lenses. So let's look at this topic from our five lenses. Joel, why don't you get us started? Sure. So if you're an independent or a school counselor... Uh, this episode is not going to uh, keep you from getting this question asked in your office anymore. Uh, Chris and I have been doing this job for over 40 years combined. Holy crap. Um, so we know better than that. We know you're still going to get this question. Uh, but what I would tell a counselor is this. Um, you need to know all sides of the argument, be able to articulate it. Um, I'm all about pros and cons of any issues. So help students and parents know this and then help them make the best choice for them, period. Um, Any opinion you share is just that and should be stated as such, Um, your opinion. And frankly, I'm not sure opinion should be part of the conversation on this one. Uh, The long and short of it is this. Take as much rigor as you can handle in order to be best prepared at the next level of your education, but also be cognizant at all times of your GPA. Perfect. Thanks. Uh, If you're at a university, the biggest theme with this lens episode to episode is transparency. We, we get schooled. We do know, even though we are high school people, we do know your, your college budgets are finite and you have to find a way to award scholarships to as many students as possible. But I, I will say though, that I do prefer schools who reward students for taking weighted classes, the strictly unweighted, to protect that GPA sometimes is really doesn't kind of push what we're trying to do for preparing our students. Uh, so I do like that, but I'm always torn about equity and access. Uh, so perhaps schools, I'm not in charge of figuring all this out, but I do have this, this concept where maybe schools could have like separate scholarship parameters for unweighted and weighted GPAs where students who do have access to weighted can get reward for them. Students who don't have access to weighted, maybe can also be rewarded for a strong unweighted GPA. But I will say that the students who are not qualified because they have stronger schedules and lower GPAs, you could be missing out on them. Maybe my number one thought is to keep this discussion going at your institutions. Okay. If you're a parent, well, similar theme, new topic. Uh, Love your kids, support your kids, help them take the strongest classes that they can handle physically, mentally, and emotionally. Uh, Let kids be kids, help them make good class selections, but don't put so much pressure on them at the cost of their physical or mental health. There are lots of great colleges out there that would be great fits for your student, like 4,000 of them. Uh, Help them realize that. Um, After all, you only get to go through high school once, 
And in the immortal words of Ferris Bueller, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. All right, sweet. Nice, nice reference. I love it. Uh, If you're a student, first, you you have to know each school's policy when you are applying. Uh, That's super important as you build a list and send in applications. Do the research to find out. That's important. Second, you are enrolling in college with the intention of finishing, not just getting in. A strong schedule is unique to each student, each person, but you do need to challenge yourself appropriately. Don't don't pad the GPA in a strategic sense. And, and, and God forbid, don't blow off your senior year. Finally, know that everything will work out. If you take good classes, take care of yourself, college will become a reality. And if you're a teacher, you need to understand yourself that both GPA and strength of schedule can have a bearing on a student's application. This is important because students will ask you for advice. I know that counselors do most of this, but five, ten times a year, I get asked by students, what classes should I take? Um, Based on my other classes, what will colleges think about if I take this AP English course? And you need to make it clear to the student that there is no easy answer. Give your perspective based on your knowledge of the student and their personal goals, but also encourage them to really sit down with their counselor and also listen to this podcast to make sure that they fully understand both sides of this issue. And with that, it's time to wind down this episode where we will finish up today with Chris's words of wisdom. Mr. Reeves, what do you have for us today? Priorities. Priorities. Uh, I've, you know, take this, these words of wisdom generally come from things I'm dealing with in my personal life or thinking about in my personal life. I've, I've found myself in a situation with simply too many priorities. I mean, I think if you broke down like the very definition of priority, it, it means like one over another sort of thing. But I, I was able to take some steps to focus on fewer things. And, you know, I, I, I've long commented that I wish I had made myself more of a priority as I, as I built my counseling career. Uh, I watched this TikTok recently. I know whenever you start a sentence with that these days, though, it's like, hmm, what does that mean? Like every time, <laughs> this is off the subject, but every time you're like, I saw this TikTok, but you know what? I like TikTok. And I think that there's a lot of interesting people out there who now have a platform. So anyway, I watched this TikTok. There's a coach asking his players in a locker room talk, like what they would do if they woke up with $86,400 in the morning, knowing that that money would be gone at the end of the day, like whether, whether they spent it or not that $86,400 would be gone by the end of the day. And, and the answer is like, oh, I'd spend it. They're all raising their hands and laughing with each other. Like, oh, I'd buy this or I'd do that. And, but, but they wouldn't waste it. And then, you know, as a, as a good coach can do in a good meeting like this, he says, every day has 86,400 seconds. Are you going to waste those? And then I get chills. I get chills now, like the, you know, reading that. Um, Every day has 86,400 seconds. Are you going to waste those? Time, time can't be saved. More valuable than, than any amount of money. What are we going to do with it? And that's where priorities come in. By God, I'm going to spend some time next year with my granddaughter. That's going to happen. I'm going to take extra days to hike this summer. Already planned that. I'm going to prioritize one or two projects. Instead, instead of three or four. 
so that's it. Getting better at prioritizing is where it's at for me right now. Okay. Just remember where the Get Schooled podcast falls in your list of priorities. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's like one of those headings at the top, like when you freeze a row, right? right. Like when you in, – in, in Google Sheets. Thanks to Don't do. worry. Don't worry. Don't worry, Mr. Ford. Uh, Get Schooled podcast is frozen, frozen row at the top. All right. Fair enough. And remember, you can always listen to Get Schooled on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and Amazon. You can follow us on Twitter at at GetSchooled3, at AskMRReeves, and at the MR, the number four and the letter D. And on the internet at AskMrReeves.com slash GetSchooled. And Joel, I have fixed the website page. So now it's not a year and three months behind on podcast episodes. Nice. Now, it's, now I, I changed it to little bio of the three of us uh, with pics. And you'll see just a link to all three, three of the bigger platforms. So you've got a link to Apple, a link to Spotify, a link to SoundCloud. That's beautiful. Uh, so, so now that's updated. Joel, tell our listeners about our next episode. Okay. So listeners, a couple months ago, there was a computer error. It probably really was a user error, but we're going to say it's a computer error, but our episodes kind of got in out of order. Okay. So we're getting back on order. So I think I may have already advertised this, but we're advertising it again. We're going to talk about students setting realistic goals um, and how to do that for your students without being a dream crusher. Um, how do you handle the student who sets their sights much higher than maybe they can achieve? How do you support your students while giving them a bit of a reality check? Um, do you leave your students to try and better to have tried and failed than never to have tried at all? Um, you're not going to want to miss this episode. We're going to have a couple of great guests. All that and more will be next time on Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford. I was total fangirling him. Like, oh my gosh. And at that time, I'm like, it's Jacques Steinberg. And then, like, we became good friends and we, you know, we run together and well, now we walk more together. And. The views expressed by the hosts of the Get Schooled by Reason Ford podcast are their own and are not necessarily representative of any groups or schools to which they belong.